I think many of us have learned that fuzzy caterpillars aren't usually safe to touch, unless they're woolly bears. But there is one caterpillar in particular, which could send you straight to the hospital. Welcome to episode 76 of Insects for Fun, the entomology podcast hosted by me, Mitchell Logan, a master of entomology. Today, we're going to talk about the puss caterpillar, commonly called asp caterpillar. The puss caterpillar, scientifically called Megalopyge opercularis, is notorious for being one of, if not the most venomous caterpillars in the United States. And it belongs to a family of moths known as Megalopygidae. The word megalo has Greek origins and stands for large. Pygidae is derived from pygidium, which in Greek stands for rump. The moths do look like they have a very large fluffy rump. So I get it, but we'll talk about the moths later on. The caterpillars are actually often referred to as asps. Now, if you're from the northern part of the United States or other parts of the world and have no idea what that term means, it's derived from the Greek word aspis, which refers to viper snakes. The caterpillars get this name because of how scarily venomous they are. I believe venomous snakes are more of a commonality in the southern part of the United States, which is probably why people like Texans and Floridians got used to using the term asp. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, the name Puss Caterpillar has been given due to the cute and fluffy appearance the caterpillars share with pussycats. The caterpillars are indeed very, very hairy slash fluffy looking and they even have what looks like a fluffy tail. Do not be fooled though. Whatever you do, you should never touch one of these caterpillars. The hairs they have are hiding small and extremely toxic spines that can get stuck in your skin. The more spines you have, the worse pain you'll experience. And trust me, when I say even one of these could put you out of commission for hours. I'm now gonna read some testimonies from people that have been stung. Eric Day got brushed by one in a tree and had this to say, quote, the burning sensation went away after a day or so, but the blister and irritated area remained visible for weeks, unquote. Meanwhile, others like Crystal Gaston were hospitalized with statements like, quote, it felt exactly like a scorching hot knife passing through the outside of my calf, unquote. Everyone reacts differently to the sting but it's been scientifically proven that the venom within this caterpillar actually breaks down cellular walls. What's even more crazy is that this ability is believed to have been transferred to the caterpillar through a bacteria which evolved the trait some 400 million years ago. The transfer of genes between organisms that share one body is called horizontal gene transfer, and I'll go into that in a different episode. Many people say that the pain from these caterpillars feels like it goes all the way to the bone and if you get stung, you should use tape to remove the spines left behind. Otherwise, you could end up having serious side effects. This is especially true for younger children. In fact, some Texas schools in the past have had to temporarily close down due to outbreaks of the caterpillar. The exact distribution for these caterpillars seems to be shifting, and an extremely recent study based off of research-grade observations through iNaturalist show that this caterpillar can be found from southern Massachusetts down through all of Florida and westward through Pennsylvania and Missouri down into the eastern half of Texas. Oddly enough, no one has reported them in Kansas, but I feel like they should be there. 
it's probably just a matter of time. At this point, you're probably wondering how you can avoid these and what kind of trees they like so you can watch out. This specific species of caterpillar has two seasons. The first starts in spring, with caterpillars becoming abundant in June and July, and the second happens in fall, with caterpillars being most abundant in October. Some places, like Massachusetts, might only see one generation of caterpillars, but from what I know about smaller caterpillars, they usually don't take very long. And yes, the puss caterpillar has a maximum length of one inch, or two and a half centimeters, making it a prime candidate for having multiple generations. They also feed on a variety of shrubs and deciduous trees, like oaks, elms, maples, sycamores, willows, beech, roses, etc. Most people report finding them on oak though, and this is especially true in Florida. But it should be noted that there will be regional preferences, and there are many, many species of venomous caterpillars in the family Megalopygidae and they can be found down into Central and South America as well. Basically, if you see a super hairy slash fuzzy looking caterpillar in the new world, don't touch it. The moths, on the other hand, are incredibly fluffy, cute, and harmless. They come in a variety of colors too, depending on the species. But the caterpillar we've been focusing on in this episode metamorphs into a yellow moth that transitions from dark brownish yellow at the head to a very light and pale yellow towards the back. Its antennae are white and the feet are black. The whole moth just looks like it would make for a fantastic stuffed animal or a really warm jacket. The moths in this family are actually called flannel moths due to their soft and warm appearance. And the southern flannel moth is what they call the adult for today's very venomous puss caterpillar. Having a sting isn't the only trick up the sleeves for puss caterpillars. They're actually known to fling their poo for reasons unknown, but it's believed to be a combination of keeping their food clean and also leading parasitoids away. Parasitoids will use many chemical cues to find hosts, which include molted exoskeletons, poop, and even chemical cues released from plants that are getting munched on. Puss caterpillars also eat their molted skin with the hairs and spines included. They try to leave no traces behind. But unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on whose side you're on, parasitoids still find a way. The primary enemies for puss caterpillars are tachinid flies. These flies lay their eggs on the outside of the caterpillars, and then the larvae burrow and live inside the caterpillar underneath all that crazy hair. Once the caterpillar forms its cocoon, then the fly larvae are ready to pupate, and the caterpillar inside becomes nothing more than a bundle of fly pupae. Other parasitoids are ichneumonid wasps, which are pupal parasitoids, and target the caterpillars only after their cocoons are formed. The cocoons for these caterpillars are actually really interesting. The caterpillars usually crawl away from their food and start weaving a silken case on a branch, nearby building, or anything really. Once the first layer of the cocoon is finished, the caterpillar removes all its hair from the inside and pushes it out of the cocoon, making a small tuft before finishing the innermost layer. The cocoons are so sturdy that they often remain attached for years after the moth's emergence. And other small arthropods will actually use the cocoon as a home, such as ants and spiders. 
The cocoons also have a hatch opening at the front, known as an operculum. And this is where the species name Operculeris comes from. There is one more crazy thing about these moths and caterpillars, and that would be how they exit their cocoons. Normally, moths emerge from their cocoons by secreting a special liquid that breaks down the silk walls, and then they wriggle out, leaving the pupa shell inside. The puss caterpillar actually leaves the cocoon while still inside its pupa, and then breaks out of the pupal casing only after it wriggles out of the cocoon's hatch door. This is only possible thanks to the cocoon's hatch door, because that door keeps the pupa in place while the moth wriggles out. And that wraps up today's episode on Puss Caterpillars. I hope you guys enjoyed it and learned some cool facts. If you enjoy the show, giving it a review on Apple or iTunes is a fantastic way to help support it. Or just give it a rating on any podcast platform you listen. Five stars is incredibly helpful. If you want to support the show and get exclusive bonus episodes, add free episodes and vlogs, you can find that over on patreon.com forward slash insects for fun. Links to everything, as always, are in the show notes. And if you have a request, please let me know through email at insectsfordummies at gmail.com or on any of the socials. Thanks again for listening.